0: to business with Bobby Kerr brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk.
1: Now a wise man once said that music gives soul to the universe wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and charm and gaiety to life and to everything And quite right he was. Music is a universal language that bridges cultural, political and religious divides and can bring about the, be- the very best in us all. So for this week's Industry Review, I wanted to find out more about the business of teaching music from those in the know. And I'm delighted to be joined in studio by this morning by Craig Wynn. He's the owner of the Dublin School of Music. Killian Ivory is this, the school manager for Everest School of Music. They're out there in Bray. And Jen Tully is from JT Vox. Again, another um music school, but I think that focuses mainly on voice. We might start with you, Jen. Tell us a little bit about your business.
2: Uh, yeah, so I uh, have my own studio in Donnybrook and it is just a, a vocal studio. Okay. Um, and JT Vox is simply, JT is me, Jen Tully. Vox is a uh, fancy word for vocal. So.
1: Bono's nickname came from it as well, isn't that right? That's what they tell us anyway. So tell us how how you ended up actually making a business out of voice training.
2: Uh, so I started out in, well I started out in College doing rock school and then I went straight from that into doing um, a, d- a degree in BIM Dublin. Right. So I did that and while I was doing this I was obviously, you know, gigging and performing constantly um, but then the final year there was a-, a teaching module and I just found it fascinating and right. really, really enjoyed it and was kind of good at it. So yeah. I I kind of came straight out of my degree and went um, and well, tell do me do do this,
1: uh, do, do people, and I, I again I'm often curious about this, can someone be trained with an average voice, can someone be trained to sing well or is it something either you have or you don't have?
2: No, you unless you have an actual physiological issue with your ear, your inner ear, or there's an actual problem at the vocal folds and it needs like medical work or surgery, yes, you can be you can be trained. It just depends on uh, how much time you want to put into.
1: It. Okay, well we'll come back to that in a second. Let's talk to our next guest. He's Craig Wynn, the owner of the Dublin School of Music. Craig, you're very welcome to the programme. Thank you very much. Now, you've got a substantial business going, uh, five to 600 students, 31 teachers, and you're based in Terreneur and Old yeah? That's right. Right, tell us how this business came about.
0: Oh, uh, well, um, years ago, about 19 years ago, I was studying and working part-time in in a shop that sold musical instruments. And uh, numerous people came in and said, oh, I see you sell guitar strings, etc. Would you know where I could get lessons? And after a while, as I had nowhere really to send them locally, it, the penny dropped. And um, I set up a music teaching facility. So we started off with just piano and guitar and it's blossomed from then. And we'll be 20 years in business next year.
1: Isn't that great? And again, as I say, it's a sizable business. Who typically is the customer, Craig? Uh, I presume it's it's... Everybody and anybody, but typically who who, who what market do you serve
0: us, yeah, anybody and everybody, I mean our customers typically are parents, but the students themselves would be uh, usually from uh, the average range would be from about eight to about thirteen fourteen
1: right um, and tell me this is it is it do you get a lot of i suppose parents? trying to live music through their kids or do you get kids saying to their parents I want to go and learn guitar uh, like I presume there's maybe two schools within that is there?
0: There are yeah, yeah. And, and very much it's a little bit of both but we'd certainly um, be based in areas where people put uh, a lot of emphasis on a well-rounded education so obviously they're going to school to get taught yeah, academics, they're probably playing sports elsewhere, so we're kind of there to fill the yeah. creativity and the musical side of things.
1: And are, are, are students then taught to read and write music, or is it by ear?
0: which, Or is it both? Or? Uh, we generally try to encourage people to learn how to read music. Right. Um, uh, writing maybe not necessarily so much, but certainly to read music, because I think it helps them as they go along. Uh, you know, later on when they're actually able to play, they yeah. should be able to download or buy a book of sheet music or something and be able to play it. But even better if they can play it by ear as well after that.
1: Okay, so both is, is, exactly. is beneficial. Okay, our third guest uh, is Killian Ivory. Uh, he's from the Everest School of Music in Bray. Killian, you're very welcome to the programme. Thank you very much. Sorry for being so long to get you, but I'm very interested I'm okay, in this whole <laughs> subject. Uh, so tell us, you've got 400 odd students, 14 teachers, and you're in Bray and also in Ratnew.
3: Correct, yeah. yeah. Those figures are Depending on the time of year, let's say. Okay. Um, summer, for example, could be chopped right back with people on holidays. And yeah, then... so it, it
1: probably mirror images the school year, to some degree, the business.
3: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Well, that, that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and then, who typically then is the teacher? And how does that work? Are they employed by you or do... Are they self-employed or how does the business model
3: work? We employ the teachers, um, I guess like most places, um, but over summer, of course, they would be, depending on who would want to work over summer, yeah. um, like we might run a summer camp, summer programs um, for stuff that would be more, I guess, heavily <laughs> yeah. marketed, like guitar, piano. Um, they, they would stay on with us over summer um, and we have a lot of musicians who would gig. Um a few people touring at the moment, so yeah. Um, I, and
1: again, I could see how that might work if somebody was in a band and they were doing gigging at the nights at the weekend. That they might teach, uh, you know, during the week in the afternoons or something, and it would make sense economically for people.
3: It does. Like yeah. they have great lives. But they might gig on a Wednesday night and then they come in at two p.m. the next day and they do their four or five hours of teaching, and it's great.
1: Were you originally selling instruments as well, just like just like uh, our other guest,
3: Craig? Yeah. Yeah, well, well um, I I started actually teaching first myself outside of Everest, um, personally. But yeah. Everest itself started in 1986, as far as I'm aware. Um, I could have that year wrong. Yeah. Um, but um, it started in Bray as a small shop and grew very quickly because it was the only place between Wicklow, or Wexford at the time, and Dublin. So um, it kind of got a little, its own little core hub there. Um, but it then four years later start taking on lessons on a small scale and then again like Craig said it just blossomed from there okay
1: uh, back to you Jen uh, do you still gig as well you do i do yeah. yeah and does it work for you then just like we were saying there where you might be gigging at the weekends in a band and then you do your teaching work during the week
2: yeah absolutely yeah. the flexibility that comes with the work i think is one of the the one of the big positives i think yeah um but yeah, as well as doing that, I, I, you know, I kind of have about four other jobs on the go. So, right. <laughs> but
1: You're... it's
2: all teaching. It's yeah. all teaching or performing. You know, so yeah. That's the kind of that's what you have to do. When you, you mentioned
1: yeah. the Bali Farmers Rock School early earlier. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Um, <clears> so <throat> that was where I, you know, I was in my first band in in the Rock School, and it was, it was great. It's where I met so many of the people I still know, and still like. I'm still in bands with some of those people, and I I left in you know 2009. Yeah. And um but it was great. Yeah, it was uh, my claim to fame is uh, I was a back and vocalist. My first ever band that I was in was uh Gavin James.
1: Uh, there we go. I knew we had I knew we had a celebrity in our there midst. I just didn't know which one it was. So <laughs> yeah, well done on that. Um in, in again going back to the to the skill set you teach. Um when do you get a lot of people maybe who might be in a band that maybe feel they want to improve or or to to to, to 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 bring their vocal skills even to a higher level?
2: Yeah, well, I get a real variety, and it's mostly adults. Is Um, it? Yeah, I only teach a small amount of uh, children and and teenagers, but it's mostly adults coming in. And it would be, like, all ranges, complete hobbyists, to people who maybe would like to perform sometime, but they don't know when or how, and then I have, like, songwriters coming in who want, who can, like, write their music, and they are gigging, but their voice has given them some trouble. And then I have you know people who are in cover bands and again voices maybe giving them a little bit of hassle. So yeah, yeah, to them out. that's
1: really really interesting. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's it's. I, I just I'm just smiling here as I think about the the type of people that 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 just might decide. Do you know what? I'm going to go and get voice training. And do people, you know, even if you say your 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 customer base is fairly mature, do people decide they want to? join a rock band when they're in their 40s and stuff like that. Absolutely.
2: You actually see that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I see people come in a big thing for people coming in for singing lessons is that they've always wanted to do it and never thought they could. Yeah. So that's a huge part of it and that <coughs> I find that fascinating the amount of people that actually say that sentence to me. Um so they will kind of have a couple of lessons, actually surprise themselves and really enjoy it and then they'll say, do "You know what, um oh yeah, I'm actually putting a message out there to people on Facebook and I think I'm going to join a band. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Off you go. Of course you are. <clears throat> so it's great. Well, we nearly
1: got a tattoo last week with the tattoo arses. Who knows what's going to happen here. Uh, back to you, Craig. Um, if you say, I think you say that there's no formula to teaching music. Can you maybe explain that in terms of, It does it mean that it's
0: it's interpreted differently by different people? Um yeah, the way we teach is all of our lessons are one to one. So, um in that respect there's no actual one formula that you would apply to teaching people. Okay. Uh, because you're dealing with the individual. So S- we would tailor a course specific to every single individual. Okay, so just
1: courses. on just to take that on a bit mm-hmm. further then, if somebody comes into you, you assess their level, and you might teach them differently but t- depending on where they were at on their journey. You would. Musically, uh,
0: I, yeah. I, I mean, depending on, some people have more time to practice than others. Some people find different parts of their learning easier than other parts, so you have a sort of, it's you, you rarely have a linear progression. I mean, yeah. it, it's quite up and down, start, stop, slow, you know. But the one-to-one lesson means that you can keep pace with somebody there. And always, if something's not working, you can try something else, a different type of music um, yeah. and always trying to sort of cover the basis <clears throat> that they're uh, interested in themselves. How do you encourage people to practice? Because I presume practice is the is the route to
1: success. So um, it, what it, sort of it, tricks do you use? Or maybe is. not tricks, but how do you encourage people that they should practice?
0: You really have to try and pique their interest okay uh, and where where possible we would obviously be trying to teach people um like if we're trying to try, teach somebody the technical stuff it's easier for them to practice at home if it's the sort of music that they want to listen to and replicate themselves yeah and so therein lies the motivation to practice just to try and you know uh, a lot of people are actually quite um competitive as well even with themselves and then and they always try to have everything done by next week. But if they get on well with their teacher, yeah. they'll often do it for the teacher. Yeah. yeah and failing that will get the parents to intervene and, and, right. and possibly take the PlayStation away if nothing is being done.
1: Killian, I was going to ask you, was the pandemic good for business in that you might have got a whole swathe of new customers, people who maybe just were thinking, well, maybe I've got a bit of time here. It might be nice to, to go and learn a musical instrument.
3: It was and it wasn't. Um, again, every, I, there's, it's one business but there's the school side and then there's the shop side but where our school got a small influx was because people were looking for a guitar or a piano and then on our website it you can visibly see there's a, a school there and I think people were calling up and they wanted lessons somehow um, and at the time we were scratching our heads a little bit okay how can we make this work while we panicked about getting everyone online on zoom for over a weekend um that was one thing in itself um there was a lot of people who wanted to take lessons but from various different locations um so we benefited there um Funny enough, the the number actually did drop off a little bit when we came back to reality because we were yeah. able to teach people. We actually had two very funny instances where we had people in New York City take lessons with us by Zoom.
1: Is that right? And tell me, this is is YouTube competition for you, or do some people maybe balance maybe looking at YouTube videos as well as attending music school?
3: YouTube is <coughs> it, it's that's hit or miss and. Um, I see a lot of kids come in to me with videos off YouTube of a guy playing guitar or piano. And as a teacher myself, and I know all my other colleagues would spot it quickly, um, if the technique that is being played on YouTube, if it's correct or not. So I tread cautiously with YouTube. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily consider it a competition at the moment, but I'm sure someone's going to come up with an ingenious idea of creating something on YouTube in the future. But um, at the moment, I don't consider it a competition, no. Right.
1: Jen, how do you promote the business? How do you tell people where you are? Uh, you obviously have a network of bands and things like that, and people know your reputation. But is, is that really it? Was, is it word of mouth?
2: Word of mouth <coughs> has taken over big time. But initially, um, I used Facebook as a platform for advertising, and it was amazing. Uh, It was, it just, that's how I advertised and that's how I got almost all my business. But the algorithms and the likes kind of changed in relation to uh, advertising on Facebook and it just became difficult. Yeah. Um. so it's word of mouth now, but also Instagram has kind of taken over a little bit for advertising and people kind of happening upon your page. And, you know, I, I, I have quite a few videos of me singing on, on Instagram and they kind of go, oh. She can sing too as well as teaching. Yeah, I think, I, think I'll, I think I'll go with her. So, yeah, it seems to be that kind of uh, word of mouth mixed with um, Instagram at the moment.
1: Um, maybe last word to you, Craig, in terms of the, the sector and where it's going. Uh, how do you see, you obviously were uh, affected by the pandemic. Things are settling back again now, but the future of the business as you see it, where do you see it changing or evolving?
0: Um, I think our business is quite robust Uh, in general. I think people always want to for their... uh, Adults themselves obviously as Jen was saying like to come back to music later on in life as well and and, you know they find that they're working hard and it's nice to actually do something for yourself Um, but uh, when you're talking about children then I think all parents want to give their kids as much as they can in every single opportunity Um, and be that you know, playing football, going swimming, horse riding, uh, and music is a very, very large part of that as well. So, as long as children are continue to be born, yeah. I think um, you, the music you, industry, there, yeah, there is. Yeah.
1: Well, listen, it's been a great discussion. I want to thank my guests uh, from the music teaching business, uh, Craig Wynne of the Dublin Music School, Killian Ivory from Everest School of Music, and Tully from JT Vox. Thanks very much for joining us this morning. I
0: appreciate you coming into us. Thanks, Robins. Thank, us. You. Thanks, Thank you. Down to business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at eleven on News
3: Talk.